Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. What do you call boogers on a diet? Slim pickings. What's a dog's favorite spot in the garden? The pea patch. I'd take a shot at writing a phlebotomy joke, but it would be in vain. If you just read the bio for Dr. Steve, host of Weird Medicine on Sirius XM 103 and made popular by two really comedy shows, Opie and Anthony and Ron and Fez, you would have thought that this guy was, was a bit of a, you know, a, a clown. Why can't you give me the respect that I'm entitled to? I've got diphtheria crushing my esophagus. I've got Ebola virus dripping from my nose. I've got the leprosy of the heart valve exacerbating my incredible woes. I want to take my brain out and blast it with the wave, an ultrasonic echographic and a pulsating shave. I want a magic pill for all my ailments, the health equivalent of Citizen Kane. And if I don't get it now in the tablet, I think I'm doomed and I'll have to go insane. I want a requiem for my disease. From the world-famous Cardiff Electric Network Studios, it's Weird Medicine, the first and still-only uncensored medical show in the history of broadcast radio, now a podcast. I'm Dr. Steve, with my little pal, Dr. Scott, the traditional Chinese medicine practitioner, gives me street cred, the wacko alternative medicine assholes. Hello, Dr. Scott. Hey, Dr. Steve. And I got Tacey, my partner in all things. Hello, Tacey. Hello. Oh, we got your new segment coming up. I'm very excited about it. <laughs> And uh, also in the uh, studio, Stacy Deloach. <laughs> this is a show for people who had never listened to a medical show on the radio or the internet. If you have a question you're embarrassed to take to your regular medical provider, if you can't find an answer anywhere else, give us a call at 347-766-4323. That's 347-2HIT. Follow us on Twitter at Weird Medicine or at DR Scott WM or at what, Stacy Deloach? Stacy Deloach 1. Uh, Stacy Deloach 1. 
Uh, and visit our website at drsteve.com for podcasts, medical news, and stuff you can buy. Most importantly, we are not your medical providers. Take everything here with a grain of salt. Don't act on anything you hear on this show without talking it over with your health care provider. All right, very good. So um, don't forget stuff.drsteve.com. That's stuff.drsteve.com. Uh, for all of your Amazon needs and uh, Dr. Scott's website, simplyherbals.net. Was that CBD nasal spray that you brought me? Is that the one that's on your website now? Yes. I'm going to tell everybody you got to buy this stuff. That was, you know, he's not making any medical claims, Mm -mm. but they fixed the uh, sprayer. You get a nice meaty spray up your nose. And it's got that earthiness of the CBD. Now I can finally smell it. And I really think that this is the stuff. Thank you. This is the best you've ever made. Good picture. Yeah. So check that out at simplyherbals.net. And when you do, tell them uh, Dr. Steve sent you. you Scott sends out, if you identify yourself, he always sends out some tchotchke, you know, shitty thing. Swag. I'm going to have a bunch of stuff after uh, DabbleCon, by the way. Oh, cool. February 3rd in Rochester. I shipped um, uh, fifty. What it got? Twenty-four pounds worth of mouse pads. Those little things that you stick. Pop. What are the things you stick on oh, your the phone? Pop locks. Pop locks. Oh. Yeah, I got Babelcon pop locks. I've got mouse pads. I've got Bristol stool scale uh, water bottles. I got all kinds of shit out there, and uh, I'm really hoping I don't come back with any. But I may be sending back twenty three pounds of shit back here, and we're going to be uh, giving it out to our listeners. <laughs> we'll work on that. And the the mugs are still there. You can get those some somewhere on the website. I'm I'm still I I I trashed the old website completely and just started over again. And now it's just green with a bunch of writing on it. It's awful, but I it'll get better soon. And uh, check out uh, patreon.com slash weird medicine. Tacey and I are doing some fun stuff over there. We've had some really good ones. And uh, it's different than this. We do a thing called the exam room where celebrities will um, call us and ask us questions. And I or, just, or a bitch. Or just yell at us for an hour, <laughs> a.k.a. Gino Bisconti. But um, the other thing, uh, Tacey, I just got confirmation uh, from uh, Tim Dillon. He's going to do it. Oh, okay. And Great. we knew Tim before he was Tim Dillon, so... Uh, yeah, that'll be a fun one. Yeah. And anyway, so check that out. And then if you want me to say fluid to your mama or uh, uh, whatever you would like for me to say to anyone, anytime, give me a, a, a shout at cameo.com slash weird medicine. It's dirt cheap. I <laughs> love to do them. We did one uh, as a group here for uh, our buddy Clint's uh, Oh, Mom, right. who flew, right. came down from Chicago to take care of him while he's getting chemotherapy. So that was a fun one. And it's like, Clint, I would have done this one for you for free. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I took the money. What the hell? <laughs> it's only $9. It's not that big of a deal. It's <laughs> all good. All right. Please check out Dr. Scott's website at simplyherbals.net. Simplyherbals.net. And uh, we, I'm not, we're going to do it without the AI today. Um, Chat GT, GPT has been busy, so I bought my own damn AI. <laughs> there you go. And it actually has a voice and stuff, so I just have to get it set up so they can help us during the show if we need to. Oh, cool. Sometimes they give crazy answers, though. 
Um, How I, much does your own AI cost? Well, it doesn't cost you and me anything. It okay. costs uh, the corporation a couple Good of bucks answer. a month. Good <laughs> answer. Good answer. And um, but it's funny though. I I asked it. Um, who wrote a specific article that I actually wrote so that I would know the answer? And it said, um, it just made up. It just made something up. It said that, yes, that it, it spoke very authoritatively. This article was uh, published at such and such a time and was written by two people I never heard of. So um, <clears throat> I'm learning that uh, as far as generating ideas and and responding to you in text, it's great when it comes to doing actual research on it, not so much unless your research is in, <clears throat> how does a large language model actually, you know, respond to input. It's crazy. I mean, uh, it, <laughs> anyway. So the matrix is not perfect yet. No, no, no. And it actually, one time I asked it uh, about who – tell me about Weird Medicine, the podcast – it said Weird Medicine is a, a podcast on, you know, uncensored medical uh, issues hosted by, you know, Stuart something and some woman I never heard of. Oh, God. I, it just made it up. So it turns out that these things are what they're called or what are called predictive models. So they try to predict the next word that should come. And sometimes they, when it comes to names, they'll just sort of guess. Make it up on its own. Yeah, yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Oh, okay. Thank you. We forgot to turn the camera on. Thank you, everybody. Um, we are. Uh, we have a question actually from the waiting room, and if you're listening and, and you don't know what the waiting room is, is oh uh, no, it's no. A, it's a fluid it's not the family. Waiting room. No, the the fluid family is in the waiting room. Okay, there you right? go. Oh. So <laughs> the waiting room is just our YouTube chat. We oh, do okay. YouTube. On uh, Saturdays at one o'clock, and you can join us. Just follow my Twitter at Weird Medicine, or go to our website, or um, sorry, to our YouTube channel, and just click notify, and then you get notification. But then uh, you can just hang out. We don't make a big deal out of it. I mean, if we get twenty people in there at once, I'm excited. <clears throat> We're not steel toe or um, you know uh, some of these other big shows. That uh, that live off their live streaming. We're really an audio show, but uh, we've got this video element just so that we can hang out and uh, and uh, talk to people live. So uh, it does. It it is. It seems different when you're um, talking to even if it's one or two people in real time. In real time, yeah, that are not in the studio. Scott and I have both said it changes our energy a little bit. Oh, shoot, yeah. Yeah, way better. Oh, that's why I sit back there and just shoot y'all stupid questions. Yeah, yeah we appreciate that. Too. There's no yeah. stupid questions. Oh, there aren't. They no, come from me. There's no, no such thing as a no. stupid question. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You have good questions. Yes, you actually do. Actually. No, yeah. no, 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 no. Yeah, I'm yeah. special. Well, you oh are. God, that, hey, that camera, that, dude, that camera on Stacy's head makes his head look like it's a giant. Oh, God, and it's all red. Oh, my God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Well, I got to get Check his blood pressure out. It's had a... I had a full face helmet on it all day. <laughs> oh God! All right. Well, again, this is an audio show, so the people that aren't watching don't know what the hell we're yeah, talking we're about. Yeah. The 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 way that the camera is set up makes Stacy's head look like it's a big giant, giant red balloon on top of a what is that? A blue shirt or it's black? Black. Shirt. Yeah. So so the contrast is uh, pretty striking. Anyway, um, we have a a question about. Um, 
acupuncture, Dr. Scott, and oh. bowels. And it was... Um, I better pay attention. Johnny Longfeller, Feather maybe, or something. Who okay. was that mm-hmm. up there? Mm-hmm. Um, Johnny Longfeather said... Uh, yeah, can acupuncture help me with my bowels? So, what do you think? Yeah. If oh yes, you if, if we're talking constipation, okay, yeah, for sure. Yeah. What, what what I would do is put some little teeny needles all the way around the bowel, stimulate with a little bit of electrical stimulation. Yeah. And I put some probably that should have some music for this, some coconut oh, okay. oil on there. Mm, okay, you got it. Oh, there you go. Thank you. Then a little coconut oil smoothed on, yeah. and I do this thing called moving cupping. I put the cup cups on the stomach and actually kind of follow the colon around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, we do like, that. Yeah, exactly. And, and then I teach them how to do it at home. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it actually works pretty well. I've so, done... Yeah. Um, actually, Thanks, Johnny. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, go whenever ahead. y'all get done, i got a question about all this. Okay. okay. Yeah. We'll go. Yeah, go ahead. How does the colon work? Is it kind of like a snake where it has muscles where it moves from point to point to point to point? Or is it like a pastry bag where it just squeezes it from one end to the other? That's yes. an excellent question. The answer is yes. <laughs> okay. There's a little bit of both. Yeah. That is yeah. true. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, really, uh, peristalsis is the way that you get stool from one end to the other. And peristalsis is rhythmic contraction of the bowel uh, going kind of in the direction of the rectum. So. Yeah. So when you have a big giant load in your colon, it's just sitting there, right? And then all of a sudden you have to go, right? And it's like all of a sudden it's an emergency, and now you're turtling, and yes. you know you better get to the bathroom. And then when you get in there and you can't quite get your belt off, and it's like, oh my god, <laughs> what? I can't get this GD belt off quick enough. <laughs> yes, you know everybody knows what I'm talking about. Um, that's <laughs> peristalsis is causing that to happen. Okay. Yeah. And actually, the bowel is even more interesting than that. It's not just a uh, an inert sac. It uh, can secrete fluid into the lumen, the lumen being the inside of the bowel, and it okay. can also suck fluid out of it. Its main uh, uh, purpose is to reclaim water. Nice. We're, we're recycling here. Yes, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So you put liquid fecal matter into the large bowel at what's called the cecum. That's where the small bowel attaches to it. And then it starts being moved up, you know, up toward the liver, across the abdomen, and then down the uh, the. Well, let me see the the left side. I'm looking at I'm looking at the patient in my head. The left side of the body down to the rectum, right? Mm. And during this whole period of time, the the large bowel is is taking water molecules, not shit molecules, just water molecules or it alcohol molecules. Or if, <laughs> if you did. If, yeah, if you shove alcohol up your ass, that's right. That's a whole different thing. Yes. Don't do don't that. Don't do that. Um, but yes, it can. It will. But it can take them just molecule <laughs> by molecule at a time, and leave the shit behind. So you're not like, you know, sieving. It's not like a sieve or a cheesecloth. Right. It's active uh, transport. You know, these mole- these these uh, transport proteins will grab a water molecule and then just take it. And and push it to the other side you into know, the bloodstream. It's cool as hell. People how don't, it works. People don't realize how compact and dense shit is. I mean, molecules like ninety ninety nine percent just pure waste. There's very little other in there unless it's diarrhea. Yeah, yeah, no, that's right. It's mo- and it's a lot of it is bacterial bodies and right. stuff. But the weird thing is, if you see raw sewage, like so, you you take a dump. 
and you flush it down the toilet and it goes through the sewage system, assuming that you don't have a, you know, septic, a, a septic, septic tank. tank yeah. uh, that sewer water is 2% sewage, which means it's 98% pure water. But, man, right. it's that 2% that really... You know, <laughs> f things up. Every ship that I manage, we have to have our own treatment centers on board. Oh yeah, okay. To process, it's like your own septic tank on board before you can do it overboard. And it depends on what part of the country we're in, if we can even pump it overboard after it's treated. A lot of places we have to retain it. And then what do you do with it? We have to wait till we go back out to ocean and pump it out. Okay, so and then what's left over? What do you, I mean? There's obviously shit. You know, yep. turds left over, yep. right? Yep. And so you separate the turds from the water, uh, but also whole, the chemicals too, like uh, urine and stuff like yep. that. Urine chemicals. Uh, how does that? How does it work? It's an MSD, man, uh, marine sanitary device. It's essentially its own little septic tank system that we feed lots of yeast to. Oh yeah. Okay. So the bacteria right. break it down and stuff. So is that? Kind of, and I but is that, is that kind of like what's in the uh, septic? Yeah. The um, Stuff that we use at our house. Yeah. yeah. That you dump into the yeah. septic. Yeah. Baker's yeast, is, Baker's yeast is the best stuff in there. They put rid it and all these other Yeah, rid it, I think is what yeah. I have, yeah. But yeah, Baker's yeast is what we actually use. So that's what I could use. Yeah. Ah, oh, cool. Who knew? Huh. It's probably cheaper to get those oh, giant man. bags of rid, though, right? Or yeah. Rid or I mean, it's not very expensive. I just but, uh, know, yeah. So then, okay, so now you've separated water, and it's got some impurities in it, but not like it had. And right. It's can, not doesn't have any solids in it. Right. And you can dump that into the ocean. Right. But the solids eventually go into the ocean. Also, we just wait on them to break down. They go through an emulsifier. Oh, really? Yep. A oh. grinder. Okay. We have some. I was vessel. hoping that you like had the big just sort of block of what used to be turds, right. and you could make things out of it. Nope, we'll grind it up, and send it overboard. Okay. Some of the units have an, an incinerators, and you better not piss in it. I don't care who you are, you better not piss in it. It actually has a we call it a turd burner. Put down a wax, a wax liner, you do your business, and it's essentially just like the burner on your stove with a big vent system on it. Literally. And then why don't you piss in it? What do you mean? Because it, because a piss doesn't burn. It just turns to steam. You're right. And that fills up the whole bathroom. It's, oh, okay. it's about, you could put 10 of those in this one. You're room. talking about an incinerating yeah. toilet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, that's the deckhand's baptism is you need to go clean that out because somebody pissed in it. Oh. Somebody has to do it. That's what a deckhand's job Ricky is. Ricky mistake. So yep. in an incinerating toilet, what's what's left? Just carbon? Yeah, just carbon. You know, any can, piece you make of wax pen, paper. can you make pencils out of it or something? I, I'm not what do they do with it? Pour it over the side. They pour it. Oh no! They should. Uh, you just, you just when you go outside to dump it, you make sure you know which way the wind is blowing. <laughs> <laughs> it seems to compress it, make diamonds out of it. I would buy one of those for Tasty. This was made from hu- a diamond made from <laughs> human oh, fecal matter. I would love matter. it. That's so romantic. <laughs> you could say it's a shitty ring. Oh, <laughs> stop it! <laughs> well, there you go. I didn't mean to interrupt <laughs> your story time. No, I didn't. Know you did not. <laughs> I'll say that better not get a bill. I'm going to be pissed. All right. <laughs> See, I'm good at derailing but, things. Oh, to a screeching halt. But yeah, hey, well, yeah. um, it's all good. I, I, there was a clickbait article that I want to talk about real quick. Um, okay. And the thing is, is it's clickbait in the, you know, this is a medical website. 
Uh, this is Medscape. So, you know, we use, people look at this, and this, actually this one, uh, Medscape owns WebMD now. So this was under WebMD, and it says, possible bivalent mac, uh, vaccine link to strokes in people over 65. So you go, oh, uh, here we go. There's another thing. And I, here we get, we'll have to do another hour with Gino Bisconti and our Patreon. Uh-oh. By the way, you don't want to go miss that. Go sign up for our Patreon yeah. just okay. for that. Okay, okay. Um, it says here, a vaccine database, and that's always the first thing, found a possible link between the Pfizer-BioNTech bivalent COVID-19 vaccine and ischemic tr- strokes in people over 65 who got the shot. The CDC and the FDA said in a joint news release, the release did not recommend people change their vaccine practices. Of course, they never do. Saying the database finding probably didn't represent a true clinical risk. The CDC said everybody, including people over 65, should stay up to date on the COVID vaccine, including bivalent booster. Okay. That's that, by the way, me saying that keeps us on YouTube. Uh, the news release said the vaccine safety data link, a near real time surveillance system, raised a safety concern about the Pfizer BioNTech booster. Rapid response investigation of the signal, the VSD, raised a question of whether people 65 and older who have received the bi- Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 bivalent were more likely to have a, an ischemic stroke in the 21 days following the vaccination uh, compared with days 22 to 44. Okay, now, let's, uh, uh, let's talk about this just for a second. By the way, if you've had your your booster and you're worried about it and it's been more than three weeks, you're good, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, now, uh, let's see here. No higher likelihood of strokes had been found uh, by Pfizer themselves, duh. The, but the Veterans Administration, the Vaccine Adverse Report uh, event reporting system, which has all kinds of shit in it. That's one where you can, Stacy could get on there and just mm. say, oh, you know, uh, I had 20 make, strokes. Make claims, yeah. Right. Yep. Um, now, but I want to just go to the to the numbers on this, okay? okay? So I crunched the numbers on this, and just you guys follow along with me and see where I'm wrong on this. It says uh, 550,000 seniors got Pfizer bivalent boosters, were tracked by this thing. 130 of them had strokes within three weeks of getting the shot. None of those 130 people died. Okay, so you go, God, 130 people had strokes after they got the vaccine. Well, okay, you know, people over 65 have strokes, so how many should have gotten the stroke? Now, what's your sample then? Well, it's 550,000 right. Right, uh, people that got the thing. So what about, what's the just the normal incidence of stroke in people over 65? In other words, what are the odds that someone, remember we talk about this, of people that get inf- infected by influenza? Mm-hmm. On Wednesday when they got their shot uh, on Thursday. That's right. And yep. they, on Wednesday, they get their shot on Thursday. And then yep. you can't go, oh, God, I got the flu from the flu shot. But they <laughs> they actually, um, you know, anyway, didn't get it from that. They were already going to get it anyway. So um, if you take um, 130 divided by 550,000, that gives you the odds, right, of one person having um, a stroke in the first three weeks. And the number is point zero zero zero. Two three six. Okay, now I had to fiddle with some numbers, so I'm going to rustle my papers around here a little bit to get 
the incidence of stroke in any three-week period. So I had to do a little bit of mathematical fiddling, so this will be plus or minus. Okay. But there's 800,000 strokes per year in the United States. Okay. 75% of those are in people older than 65. So in one year, it's approximating, or I, these numbers approximate 600,000 strokes in people over the age of 65 per year. Okay. And if you divide that by 52, that'll give you the number of strokes in a week. And then we're going to multiply that times three to get the number of strokes in three weeks. It's 34,000. Okay. Now, there are 54 million over the age of 65 in the United States. So if we want to know strokes per person, we're going to take 34,000 and divide it by 54 million people over 65. Is that, am I right so yes. far? Okay. Well, that number is 0. .000629. So you have, you have more people having strokes without the vaccination yes. than you do with. Yep. Ta-da! And this is Stacy saying this. And, and I'm special. <laughs> I mean, even, okay, so, yeah, Stacey so I'm not wrong about that. No, I'm, yeah, I'm running these numbers in my head. It's kind of, yeah, you have more people have strokes without the vaccination, <laughs> without the booster. And, and that's no. if my estimate is right. And we could, you know, argue that. Uh, we could find a better estimate of how many You're within 60% of, your, of the old numbers. Yeah, that was 0002, and you were 0006. Right. Yes, thank you. That, yeah, that's that. So, when did you start paying attention? <laughs> Whenever I'm sitting here and, he, and I have to look at him. Yeah, it's true. That's true. He will, he'll, he'll get Normally, you. I can just do phone calls and walk yeah. away. He'll get you if you're not paying attention now. Well, so, um, of course, the medical quote unquote journalist that wrote this article didn't bother to run the. the um, the, the numbers. numbers. Yeah. Did the FDA and the CDC run the numbers? You know, they are bound by law that if they see certain signals, they have to report them. But how about giving people a little context? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that makes sense. No, that's why it's clickbait. It got you to click but on it. Did, it. it did. And then you got to see all the ads about foot cream and eye cream <laughs> and true. everything else. I did see a bunch of ads doing this. So I will, uh, you know, I will always click on those because I want to talk about them. But uh, I, I put the numbers on Twitter and ran through it before, and then I, and I did it again, and I had Alexa help me, and I had Siri help me, and I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't wrong about this. Hmm. So, you know. It's pretty crazy. Pretty ridiculous. Yep. Anyway. All right. So we'll uh, try to find out. If, maybe if I can find better numbers on the actual incidence of stroke in people over 65, hmm. and then we can compare better numbers. But it's com it's not going to be much different no. than that. No. So anyway. All right. Hmm. That's all I have. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. I saw all the, oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Way, Brady PG-13. May be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramount Plus. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy. But you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. 
In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You guys got anything? Oh, wait. Oh, you know what? We have a new bet. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. Here we are. I'm scared. It's Tacy's time of topics. <laughs> a time for Tacy to discuss topics of the day. Not to be confused with Topic Time with Harrison Young, which is copyrighted by Harrison Young and Area 58 Public Access. And now, here's Tacy. All right, Tacy. Well, that was All right. very good. Yeah, I didn't hate that. <laughs> well, Look at me doing know. homework. What do you got, Scott? I don't have nothing. I'm going to go right. get a bell anyway, so I quit. <laughs> I quit trying. <laughs> I didn't oh. get a bill for agreeing with Steve. I know it. Not it, even a half a bill. I think you. I think. I well, think if you're, his, if you're his wife, you have a little bit better chance. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. just a little bit. Better All chance. right, here you go. Give yourself. A- oh, <laughs> you got a half a bell. I got half one now. Close enough. I still more than what Scott got. <laughs> so I have three boring stories. They're not very exciting. Uh oh. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Well, it was a slow news week when it comes to health. Yeah. So um, <laughs> this is from The Guardian, and it's kind of old news. Uh, U.S. government scientists found people exposed to weed, the weed killer chemical glyphosate. Oh, yeah. Have biomarkers in their urine linked to the development of cancer and other diseases. Yeah. Study was in the Journal of National Cancer Institute, and it showed up in farmers and such high levels of the pesticide were associated with signs of a reaction in the body called oxidative stress, Ooh. which damages DNA. They're talking about hematological cancers like lymphoma, myeloma, and le- leukemia. Yeah. Glyphosate-based, um, oh, I don't even produce, I don't even know what this word is. <laughs> oh, and I wrote it. Glyphosate-based something are the most heavily applied herbicide in U.S. and Oh, organophosphates. Was that it? It's an organophosphate. No, the word that I wrote here starts with a P and produces. Glyphosate-based produces are the most heavily applied herbicide in U.S. and globally. Okay. Wow. Yeah, it's a weed killer. It is an organophosphate. Those things are always a little bit nasty. Mm-hmm. And you always worry about them. Uh, you know, when I was a kid, you guys, Stacy, you're old enough to do this. I don't know, Tacey and uh, Scott, if you were, but they used to go through our town oh. spraying DDT. Oh, we used to run behind and it. And run behind it? Yeah, yes. we'd go through there because it smelled. It's a cloud. It, yeah, it was a cloud, and it yeah. smelled weird, and you couldn't mm. see anything in front of you, so we'd run right behind the DDT oh, truck. Oh, we would go see the, my dad's parents down in Mississippi, and they would come through there spraying that, and then there would be another truck coming by intentionally dropping diesel fuel on a hot steel plate to get the, foam, to get the uh, 
you know, the smoke coming out of that also, because that settles on the water. They said it killed the oh, mosquito yes, eggs. Yes, yes, but yes. But everything got coated with a diesel fuel. Yes. Oh, geez, Louise. Nice. So you yep. had DDT, then you had diesel fuel on top of it. We would run through both of them. We used to That's take, why I'm special. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> we used to take... Um, uh, yeah, oil and spray ponds and yeah. standing water. We would stuff stand in the back where they were growing soybean with a crop dusters would come over. Woohoo! DDT is considered a possible human carcinogen, but even after all this time, it's still a possible human carcinogen. So I'm kind of hoping that that it falls on the other side. Didn't they outlaw that because they used to use it in oils, especially on transformers? Because it worked as far as keeping the heat down. Okay. But they re- did the research on bald eagle eggs. I think that I think that's right. It wasn't because people are getting sick. Right. From it was the because DDT, the bald right, eagle. Right. That bald eagles, their population was dropping off, and they discovered that the eggs were just fracturing whenever the mother said on it, and they linked that to DDT. Yeah. Oh wow! I think if I'm right, I could be wrong. I'm that makes really sense. wrong. That makes sense. It's um, potential to increase breast cancer and stuff, but still the risk is is um, not no, or the definite. No, I'm saying it's not, it's not definite. It may be worth it. Oh, you know, okay. If if the numbers are low enough, huh. then you have to make this sort of calculation that how many if you're in ma- a malaria area, how many right. people are going to die from malaria, and how many would be saved by DDT? Oh, gotcha. Then how many gotcha. would die from the DDT itself? And you hate to make those kind of bean counting calculations when it comes to human beings, but you know if you're going to save more lives than you than you don't save, mm-hmm. then you you know you kind of got to go that way. Yeah, totally. Yep. It's a tough one. I'm hmm. not going to ever admit to taking a used motor oil and dumping it on the pond to get rid of the mosquitoes. <laughs> well, never going to admit to that. You know, and, and doing things like. Uh, releasing sterile mosquitoes into the populace and stuff so that you know those don't that's not going to affect anything right the bats can eat them they're not poison they just are sterile and they'll mate with the females and then they just won't produce offspring have you heard i'm not i don't mean to interrupt tacy's oh, story no, no, time you're fine. no you're that's fine. what this is about is supposed to stimulate a discussion so you're fine mn rmna them what men, Okay. Messenger RNA? M- yes. mRNA? Yeah. Them altering chicken feed because now all of a sudden chickens have stopped producing eggs here recently and supposedly they've altered the chicken feed. What? I don't know. I don't know. I'm, just, I'm trying to stimulate <laughs> you a conversation. Know. You don't expect me to you do research. You don't know. You're right. I'm not going to admit it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at that right now and seeing absolutely nothing, but let me see. But I saw it on Instagram. It has to be true. <laughs> I'm looking at how chicken eggs can help end the pandemic. They do grow um, uh, viruses or, you know, viral particles and, um, uh, you know, vaccines on chicken eggs. That's so, flu. Yeah, influenza is right. one of those. If you have an egg allergy, you have to take a different uh, version or no, don't take it at all. So, but anyway, yeah, uh, I'm not aware of that one. Well, so you're worried that they're putting mRNA in the I, feed and then ch- chickens are eating it and then it's changing their genetics? Because if you eat a glob of mRNA, your body will digest it. it, it as soon as it hits the stomach, it will change into um, uh, the constituent uh, nucleotides. That sounds awful fancy. That's good. That's what you get the acid for. That's right. <laughs> All right. 
What else you got, Taste? Okay, this one is kind of a duh. It's <laughs> like a big duh. And, okay. and it's only for... I love how she starts out saying, this is going to suck. This, then... it, it is going to suck. <laughs> there, it, it's only for like three three of our listeners because it's basically a woman's topic. No, oh, no. It, it, we, we right, By right. the way... We got a bunch of emails saying we really like Tacey talking about women's topics. Okay. And a couple of those were women. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so a lot of women get their gel nails done, and they use UV lamps um, for these manicures, and they could have harmful effects. Um, It could potentially damage DNA and cause mutations that could increase the risk of skin cancer. Um, it's like a small tanning bed, and when you have sure. it done, you know exactly what's happening. You're 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 frying your fingers, and and if they over sand it, it it hurts. Really? Um, yeah. Well, these little um, mini um, tanning beds, if you will, have not been studied for safety, and this is published in the Journal of Nature communication, so I don't know. No, that's a good one. Okay. So um, if you do it for a single 20-minute um, irradiation caused the death of 20 to 30% of cells, while three consecutive 20-minute exposures caused destruction of 65 to 70% of cells. Jesus. This wow. does not reflect actual conditions of a gel manicure because Correct. exposure is between 30 and 120 seconds and sometimes even less than that. Hmm. But it is, you know, it. you can feel it. It hmm. does Are they using hurt. UVA or UVB in that? This says... It says UVA. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. Okay. So you guys probably have nothing to say about that. No, but that's, I mean, I always kind of wondered about that. Uh, the uh, That would be easy to fix if you put ultraviolet absorbing chemicals, which are so many of them are very benign, in the nail polish. And then you would just have a little uh, thing to shield your finger that you know that you'd put your finger in there where the nail would be exposed and they would paint over that and then that's what you would put in the ultraviolet thing if there's really a problem now they yeah it interesting theoretically it makes sense that UVA and I'm surprised that nobody's looked at this before but it does it actually end up as an, a true clinical outcome because that's what we're interested in does it cause skin cancer or does it not is there an increased risk in people doing nail stuff than you know if than if they didn't do it and that would be a really easy study to do you start with a retrospective study just find a thousand women that go regularly to the nail salon and uh, say they've been doing it for 15 years is there an excess number of skin cancers in the hands you know in in that group compared to uh, the people who have never gone I mean, it really hurts when they oversand and then put the gel on, and then you've got the UVA light hitting your nails. It really hurts under the nail. It's like, yeah. ow. Because, you know, they're. At that point, it's coming, it's penetrating through the nail. It's penetrating through the nail. Exactly. Because you could make it. Oh, so they're burning the nail bed? You feel like yes. you're getting sunburned yes. of your nail it's bed? Worse than that, it hurts. Because I could see you making a weak vinyl solution and outlining around the quick. 
you know, to protect the skin there. Right. Mm-hmm. And that way, then when you get done, you can just peel that off. And then the Well, that's what I'm nail. thinking of. It's something right. that, or, or like a little, Lid. just a glove yeah, that's got glove. the. But everybody's got different shaped nails. So you can just literally just paint a light vinyl coating yeah. over it, scratch it off and everything. Okay. But yeah. if it's burning through the nail. Then there's really nothing you can do. And, well, unless you put um, some UV absorbing in the, chemical in the nail polish itself. Right. They'd have to sell it that way. Right. This is opaque to uh, ultraviolet light. Right. Yeah. And that wouldn't be that hard to do. Well, it's it's not available at this time, right? Maybe, according to this article. Maybe we need to patent that. <laughs> that would be a good way to make some money. Um, um, the third topic I, I have is not as bad as the first two. I thought the first two were good. I it's did a too. Little more interesting. I'm looking at. The, I'm still reading this damn article. You're all with these breast, y'all. Um, cancer diagnosis <laughs> increases suicide risk by 26 percent. Um, individuals diagnosed between 2000 and 2016 compared to general population. Yeah. Um, oh, I must have been drinking when I wrote this. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm in the club. Statistics. Well, it, just statistically, that's probably true. Um, yeah, I can see that. No, I mean that she was drinking. Oh, she wrote it. <laughs> I was thinking of the suicide. I was yeah, I can't attention. really read my writing. Ethnicity is contributed to increasing the risk. Um, poor prognosis increases the risk. The highest risk seen um, first six months after diagnosis. Uh, risk decreased from 6,790 <laughs> in 2000 to 16% in 2016 due to increased use of psychosocial palliative care and advances in symptom management. There you go. Well, I think that we're approaching cancer a little differently now. We are getting closer and closer to uh, a generalizable cure. That kind of word is getting out. So, hmm. you know, it used to be, I bet the suicide rate back in the day was really high because when you got had cobalt treatments back then yes. and, oh gosh, yeah. and chemo, I just remember people just puking and puking and puking hmm. for two weeks and then they died anyway. Ugh. And uh, what I'm looking here, Tace, is over the last two decades, suicide rate in the United States has been on a grim, steady march upward. But a new study highlights an encouraging exception between 99 and 2018. The rate of suicide related to cancer actually decreased. Now, there is risk to it, but that's rate. So there's still risk. And and I think the two things are uh, those two studies go together, that there is an increased risk of suicide, but that risk is declining over time. Your risk increases if you're Hispanic, if you're Medicare, uninsured, Medicaid patient or VA patient. Hmm. Um, All those come with extra stress. Now, white individuals living in counties with high poverty rates also had an increased risk. Yeah. Well. So. so what I want to say is if you have a new cancer diagnosis and you're thinking that the future is just there's nothing there, um, that's not necessarily true. Right. And uh, I want you to talk not only to your cancer doctor about what the path forward is, because we teach people don't just deliver bad news. You deliver bad news, and here's what we're going to do about it. It's kind of yes and. It's a little bit like improv in that way. But if you're going to take something away from someone, you better give them something of value in return. So take it away and take tough shit, man. Yeah, yeah. We'll see you. Sucks to be you. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I I also tell the residents (laughs) that there are ways that you can 
take a, an emergency call like this one. Mm -hmm. um, where's my fucking phone? That you can take a call um, uh, during a Breaking Bad News if it's an emergency, but there's one time you cannot do that. Mm -hmm. And that is when you just delivered the bad news and you're just getting ready to transition to and here's what we're going to do about it. That makes sense. That right. is the worst time yeah. that you can be interrupted. And whatever it is, you just click off and uh, and call them back later because you have to deliver that part of it. Part of the responsibility of breaking bad news is here's what we're going to do about it. And if you are newly diagnosed with cancer and you're starting to feel these kind of feelings, talk to the palliative medicine people in your practice. If they don't have one, uh, complain, number one, that they don't. But there will be somebody that they refer people to for palliative medicine. Palliative medicine is a, is a sort of partner to oncology. And, uh, uh, you know, 40% of what palliative medicine providers do is nothing but oncology and then 60% is everything else. But uh, they can help you to understand that you're not going to have to suffer, that uh, there is adequate symptom management out there. And uh, they will uh, talk to you about goals of care and, and things like that, make sure that everybody all everybody's ducks are in a row. Right. And that is a really relieving thing. And talking about... These things, even if you're going to talk about end of life stuff, doesn't increase your anxiety. It actually decreases it. Yeah, you're getting it off your chest. Yeah, and yeah. Finding out it's if, something, there's, if there's another path out here. It's the 800 pound gorilla in the room, right. and uh, you know when you start talking about it, it starts to disappear. The uh, you know, I'll walk into a room sometime, and the family will grab me. Uh, and uh, it's somebody that's got a little old lady with cancer or something in the family will grab me and go, come on, come out in the hall, come out in the hall. Don't tell mama she's got cancer because if you tell her that she's got cancer, she's going to give up. Mm -hmm. Now, what do you do in a situation like that? Particularly now, if mama has dementia or something and doesn't have capacity to process that information, I don't there. That's fine. Sure. Right. They're probably right mm -hmm. um, that it'll increase that person's anxiety or they just won't be able to process it. So, you know, in that case, you identify a surrogate decision maker and then you talk to them. But if mama has capacity, that's a problem because now they're putting you in a position where you're they're asking you to violate her human rights mm -hmm. of you autonomy. So uh, one of the pinnacles of Western medical ethics is that patients get to make any decisions that they want to make. Okay. About really? their medical care. Really? Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. That's not what the government said. Well, <laughs> you see, that's where I have a problem with the I'm, I'm government. Just, I'm just picking at you. No, don't pick at me. I'm an anti-mandate guy. I understand. Um, uh, and that's a whole nother discussion. Again, go listen to the Gino Bisconti uh, Patreon oh, show. <laughs> it was it just, fun. What, but, what I, what, I go ahead. I didn't mean to... No, it's okay. Uh, and so, uh, but you have the right to choose and accept or reject any medical treatment that's offered to you. And, uh, uh, but to do that, you gotta be able to understand it. Yeah. You know, if, if you go to a French restaurant and the menu is in French and you don't speak French, you're gonna end up ordering liver on, on snail pate and say, so, you know, it's just crazy. So they've got to explain the menu to you. So anyway, you gotta be able to understand what the menu is. And to do that, you have to give the patient informed consent. Well, now this family is asking you not to do that. So this is what I do. 
Uh, I will go, I will talk to the family and use empathy and validation. Hey, I understand why you feel this way. Right. You know, you're just advocating for your mom. I think a lot of people feel the same way. That's the empathy and validation mm-hmm. part. But the pinnacle of modern medical ethics is that patients get to make their own decisions. So this, I'll make you a deal. I'll go in and ask her if she wants to know. If she doesn't, she can defer decision-making to you, and I don't have to tell her anything. But I will ask her if she wants to know everything that I know about her care. And if she says yes, then I have to tell her. Do, do you agree with that? i got to get their assent before we go in. <clears throat> so they, they all, always agree to that. So I'll go in and I'll say, well, ma'am, there's two kinds of people in this world, people who want to know everything about their medical care and make their own medical decisions, maybe with the help of other people, but they want to be the boss on that. And then there's other people who are okay if someone in their family has more of the information than they do and they make the decisions and just to, you know let them know what they are. Which, which one are you? Well, I want to know everything, okay? And then I just look at the family. I kind of give them that knowing shrug, you right. know, like, here, here we go. And then I tell her, now, who in that situation, and the mama always does fine. She always does fine. Who in that situation actually had the problem? Oh, it had to be the other family member. The family. They were the ones that were having trouble coping with it, which is why I brought this up, because it was the 800-pound gorilla. They had secret arcane information that Mama didn't have, and they were keeping it from her, and it was causing stress. And the minute that you break that ice, it all gets better. So anyway, so... Yeah. Um, that's my spiel on that. No, because I was going to say, just I wish that they would learn proper terminology. Just use they simple, who? as far as medical care provider in general. Oh, God, be- yes. Be- because, Don't use jargon. Because the other day I'm driving up here from Louisiana, yep. getting ready to you know head off on the next big adventure. I call my internist's office down there because I'm supposed to be going for blood work next week. I won't be there. I call up and I tell the nurse or whoever it is that answers the phone, can I go ahead and do this while I'm in town? Yeah. And she said, no. I said, why not? Because yeah. they're going to run the analysis on it. They're going to put it down on a piece of paper in the right. computer. He can read it, and that's going to be a baseline. She said, no, because your labs are going to expire. I said, how do my labs expire? Because <laughs> they're going to run the analysis. They're going to write it on a piece of paper. You're going to tell me the paper's rotting away? She goes, no, it's going to expire because they need to be done before you see them. I said, no, this is done for a baseline. Right. They're going to write it down. They're not going to expire. The paper's not going to rot away. The computer's right. not going to crash. Right. And she she was swarping down that my labs were going to expire. Yeah. It's kind of, no, you're using the wrong terminology here, and I'm not medical. Right. Well, um, that side. I'm sure she was thrilled with that whole conversation. Oh, but, um, I made her day. <laughs> <laughs> but, but somebody has to sound the alarm. You're stupid. <laughs> I uh, I think that medical jargon is a problem, and we've talked about this maybe a time or two on the show. There's yep. two words that we use in medicine, completely the opposite yes. of what our patients use, and those two words are positive and negative. Oh, there you go. Give okay, yourself a bill. A full bill. Oh, a full bill. For so that bro- answer, you need to make I was looking oh, at you to give you a fucking bill, Scott. Three stories and got right. no, jack shit. shit. No, you, well, you get. Okay. What do I get? You get bells. For, she got bells when for showing up. I ask you a question and you get it right, that's when you get a bell. Uh, you just want a cookie. Well, here, okay, oh, you there you go. Give yourself a bell. You uh, 
Oh, damn it. See, it doesn't mean as much. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, she still too. likes it, though. She still, she still I was it. looking at you to answer that question, uh, and then, you know, knucklehead. Uh, well, because I'm the guy that brought you the story no, about it, my mother-in-law getting the phone call, the voicemail about, hey, you tested positive, and she's like, woohoo. That was you. That was my, yeah. I still tell that story. Yeah. Yeah. That was my ex-mother-in-law. Yeah, so for people who don't know what we're talking about, uh, you know, if you have a positive balance in your checking account, that's good. good. If you've got a positive attitude, that's good. If you have a positive biopsy, that's a really bad thing. Bad thing. And uh, it does cause confusion. Yes. Uh, I've had people, I've seen people come out of the oncology office crying because they told them that their CT scan was negative. Mm-hmm. And they thought it was a bad thing. I mean, it's you know maybe one percent, but this is avoidable. It's important. Say normal it's and important. abnormal. Yeah. So what happened with your mother-in-law was they called her and said your influenza test was positive, and she was thrilled by yes. that because on the voicemail. Right on the voicemail. There you go. Okay. That's see. I, I've, I when I tell this story to residents when I give lectures yeah. about it. I'll tell them, you know, I had a friend who's, you know, I, I thought it was their mother, but anyway, I'm not going to change it. Her mother called, said that the test was, their influenza test was positive. Isn't that a great thing? And I'm like, what doctor's office just calls and says, well, your test was positive, click, you know, and without yeah. it giving any context. Yeah. So that's some, yeah. Uh, so anyway, that kind of stuff. So we try really not to use jargon, to use plain language. And it's hard uh, if you're talking to other healthcare providers all the time to not slip into that. Sometimes you got to catch yourself. Yep, 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 yep. Anyway, all right. Uh, anything else? That's it. Tacey, excellent. Good job, Tacey. She's mad because she didn't get a bell, but she got her own theme song. It's Tacey's Time of Topics. A time for Tacey. All right, anyway. All right. Did you notice how Good you job. almost dragged out Tacey? Oh. <laughs> 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 No, no. <laughs> oh, the, only reason, the only reason I do this, he made the mistake of telling me that his spine crawls every time I go, Tayson! Yeah. Oh, God, it's doing it now. And that's the only reason why I do it. It's doing it now. <laughs> Man, you are one pathetic loser. <laughs> Number one thing, don't take advice from some asshole on the radio. All right, that's what we might as well I just... Stephen Company. This this one's going to be a bummer, too, So, but it's, it's an important question. It's a good Here question. From Texas. My question is about hospice. We had a good friend in the hospital that was very sick, and the family brought in hospice, and he died within 12 hours. So my question is, did hospice do anything to promote his death? Nope. And I'm, I know exactly what happened in this situation. Uh, I wasn't there. Don't know anything about the case, but I know exactly what happened. One of two things happened. Either the doctors waited too effing long to send this patient to hospice, and they waited till they were basically uh, actively dying, yep. or uh, the family was resistant to hospice until there was a crisis and then they needed to come in. Now, what I tell people about hospice is it's not for the dying. It's for the living. It's for people who are no longer choosing curative or life-prolonging treatment for whatever reason, mm -hmm. but and have an illness that will take them out of this world if it ran its natural course in about six months. Mm. And you don't have to die in six months. You can be in hospice for years as long as you continue to meet that criterion. Mm. And uh, their job is to make you comfortable uh, until you leave this world and or until you get, you know, get healed, one or the other. Um, but they, uh, their job is not to dope you up 
and they're not they're not going to give you medication against your will and stuff like that. They're not going to take your regular medications away, and you don't have to go somewhere. You can do it at home. So uh, it's just a federal program if you're a Medicare patient that pays for medical equipment, medication, and nurses who are specialty trained in symptom management to come to your house. And on top of that, you get chaplains, you get bereavement care for the family, you get all kinds of stuff. So And it's all paid for 100% by Medicare, not a penny out of your pocket. Now, um, uh, this has been an issue for a long time that there are myths about hospice where the families or the patient don't want it because they think that they're going to come in and kill them uh, or, you know, dope them up and, you know, take away their medicine and stuff or where the physicians just, you know, have an unrealistic uh, idea of their own capabilities and they don't send patients to hospice soon enough. So you want what I tell people is um, it, you you qualify. If you're not seeking curative treatment, then go ahead and get hospice, even if you don't need them. Because uh, if you qualify for it, when you do need them, it's going to be an emergency. And now you're going to have strangers coming into your house. If you get them early, eh, you, now you know these people, even if they come once every two weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had two family members that went on hospice and... Me, from an engineering standpoint, was absolutely amazed by them. Yeah. Two different people, two different organizations, but both of them came in like 96 hours before the passing actually happened. And I, they said, you know, like from their experience, like 72 hours. And both times we used that to circle the wagon. Well, right. To get every family member in that wanted to get there. Don't wait three weeks waiting on a cheaper air flight. Right. If you want right. to be here, yeah. you need to be here. Yeah. And we, you know, both times. It was an amazing thing. Yeah. And I was actually very thankful be. for it. I mean, I would, it was a bad situation, but I appreciated them being yeah. open and talking about it. Yeah. It really was. Yeah. And then everybody else just had a heart attack and died. It's kind of like, oh, shit, look, dad's yeah. on the floor. Well, that's it. Yeah. My... <laughs> Yeah, my my dad died in his sleep, and my mom, you know, died over a period of two years. And either way, it sucks. My dad didn't suffer, but I didn't get to say goodbye. And my mom, you know, I got to say goodbye, but all she did was suffer for you know two yeah. years. So yeah. yeah, she didn't really, you know, where she was, they didn't have hospice care. But she is why I'm, you know, yeah. took that on as a profession. But anyway, all right, let's see if I can find something here. Um, there's a drippy penis one, but we've only, oh, here we go. Let's do this one. Oh, Dr. Steve. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, you don't want it in real life? God's sake. This actually was an accident, but uh, just tell the story. The Cialis saves lives, right? Because we've got about 30 seconds. I heard something on watching Fox News the other night, and they were talking oh, about. That, that famous medical journal. Fox oh, yes. News. But they were talking about that how uh, they've gone back and been looking at Cialis and other ED medication, and it has reduced recurring heart attacks on men over 65 by about 44%. That kind of makes sense. Scott, will you put that on for next week and we'll, we'll pull the actual study? Because I'd like to look yep. at that. I've got it already pulled up. 
maybe I ought to get on some of that stuff. That's what I'm talking about. Well, what did we do today? We talked about uh, suicide and cancer. We <laughs> talked about hospice. What else did we talk about, Taste? Constipation. Ta- how, how your colon works. Yeah, man. <laughs> the only thing we missed was the droopy penis. Yeah, well, we can do that. Well, that's one. what we got Cialis for next week for. Oh, okay. yeah, that's right. Not, not droopy penis. <laughs> Wait a minute. Let me, let me rephrase that. It's going to bring it up it's next droopy week. Droopy penis. <laughs> I think it was drippy penis. It was droopy. Rather droopy penis. <laughs> <laughs> we, droopy penis is a completely different thing. Uh, completely well, different thing. So, um, Dr. Scott, you got anything from the waiting room over there? We, we could answer some I do have regular one. medical questions. I do have one. Yeah, what you got? So, Renee was asking, um, saying that uh, I guess she used too much of the beta-methasone cream uh, on her skin. Oh, and, and she's got a dimple. Well, no, and has been numb for weeks. And was asking, numb. That, yeah, that's what I was thinking too when I read it. Um, if it would subside, I've I've never heard anybody have numbness associated with that cream. Um, I know um, that if you put it on, say, uh, strong steroids on the face or the genitals, mm-hmm. it can actually cause thinning of the skin, and it yes. can be noticeable. Well, that's why you can only use it for like two weeks. I mean, they don't want you to use it for too much. Yeah, but I've never. Yeah, Renee, I've never heard of. Um, well, I am looking at yeah, numbness. I'm looking at numbness here. Are you okay? Okay. Yep. Cool. yep. It's a rare side effect. Let's see here. Um, numbness. Okay, less common: burning, crawling, itching, numbness, prickling, pins and needles, or tickling feelings. And I yes, at rare chills, cough, fever, hoarseness, and that's just with. Topical, goodness gracious. Mm, isn't it wild? Okay. Um, yeah. So uh, if it is um, v- very localized, I would expect that to go away. You yep. could get a compounded cream that has gabapentin and some other things in it that you could rub on there to just make the pins and needles go away. Mm. Uh, if it is truly numb, meaning you can't feel anything, uh, it will take up to two years for peripheral nerves to grow back. Mm. I would definitely report that to your primary yeah. or to the prescriber. Make sure they put that on your um, on your allergy list. And then, you know, if it's widespread enough, they may want to do a nerve test on you and just make sure that it's really what that From was. cream, right? That's yeah. what I was going to say. Yeah, because it's not impossible. You could have a nerve compression at the same time around the same place, and you associate the two, but they may be unrelated. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That's an interesting one. Yep. So, okay, I learned something today. Good one. You know, we just write that stuff and never even, you know. Never hear back about it. No, never even think about it. How often do you actually realistically get a compliment for doing something such as that? Does somebody call back and go, Doc, I want to tell you, I really appreciate this. Well, I tell people that we like good news, too. Right. But um, I get it more than most because of what I do. You know, a lot of mine is I go in on Tuesday and someone is... Um, you know, in agony. And then on Wednesday, I walk in, they're sitting up reading the newspaper. They'll usually give you props for that. In primary care, the ones that you get the most props for are thrombosed external hemorrhoids, because they come in with 10 out of 10 pain and they leave with no pain. And then um, uh, uh, ingrown toenails. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, If you know how to do it, they come in and they're miserable and they walk out and they're fine. And uh, let's see what else. You know, splinters and sewing people up mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But those are the big ones. 
Now, if you get somebody that wants it that's really rewarding is the one person in a hundred that actually follows your instructions on their diet when it comes to uh, type two diabetes, and you actually cure them. You can wait, get wait, them off. I'm, all... I'm looking the wrong direction there. Wait, <laughs> you can actually the <laughs> get them off all of their medication. Yeah, Stacy is not one of those people. Anyway. I'm trying. That's all right. I'm eating lots and lots of silage. I'm Did... bored with it. Soup. I'm going to do this um, this question. Uh, this will sort of change the tone of the show, and I, I think in a good way. And, Tacey, tell me if we've done this one before, because you will remember this one if we did, okay? Hey, Dr. Steve, this is Tony in uh, Oregon, and um, I was wondering um, how many holes do um, women have? Because I've only ever had... Sex with uh, one woman, and um, she uh, was. Uh, she only believed in um, vaginal intercourse. So, like I said, my question. And is, again, nothing wrong with that. We've not done this question, right? No. no. So how many holes do so. women have? Because I don't know. As I said, because I've only ever had sex with. Well, okay. Um, and then he called back. Let's see here. Uh, number Tony, number two. Hi, Dr. Steve. This is Tony in Oregon again. Um, sorry to call. Uh, it's okay to call you right back, but I just wanted to make sure you knew that I was. What I, what I you'd understand what I was. My question it was. Um, my question was how many holes do women have in their body? Yeah. Um, because, uh, like I said, I've only ever been with one woman, and she only believed in um, vaginal intercourse. Okay, so then so, he, he called back again, and I will just do his, all of his calls, and then we'll answer his okay. question. Hey, Dr. Steve, it's Tony in Oregon again. Uh, sorry, I'm gonna, I'll am gonna. i go away after this No, you don't, you're call. fine, Doug, you're fine. Call. I'm going to go away after this Totally call, fine. But I just wanted to call and say that, uh, yes, I do have sex in the uh, vagina. And, yes. Um, uh, I just didn't want you to think that I'm a... Uh, retarded. No. I just want you to believe that I'm retarded, so I'm just, no. going to call you. I just wanted to call you back. Like I said, tell you that. No. no. Oh, okay. Well, wait. Yes, I do have sex in the vagina. Well, that that's awesome, <laughs> man. There you go. I'll tell you right he now. He gets a bill. Do it. Yes, he does. <laughs> oh, for God's sake. Give yourself a bill. He, he's doing. <laughs> Everybody except he's, me. He's doing better than I am. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Doctor Scott, no. uh, why don't you take this one so we can now? the The question is. Are we talking holes you can have intercourse right. with or just, or just holes in general? Yeah, just, so why don't you count up all the – well, just beneath. count up all the holes in the in the human body. And then Let's we'll talk see. about which the ones you could actually put your penis in and, you know. I say nine. Okay, okay. I get we'll, nine. We'll, we'll name them. No, yeah, both eyes is two. Eyes? Well, the other eye holes. Eye sockets. Yeah, okay, sockets. well, that's not a I don't consider that a hole. You couldn't. That's an eye I socket. Well, it a hole. Well, yep. there's a, I, but I, there's I, an eye in it. Well, not for everybody. Okay. All right. Okay, so we'll, we'll put an asterisk by that one. Ears. Yes, two. Okay. Nostrils. Two. Mouth. One. Mouth. There Poop, is. Pooper hole. Yep, yep, yep. And the pee-pee hole. There you go. And then vagina. Vagina. And well, that's what, oh, I, that's yeah. what I was calling this pee hole. Well, but no, they have no, a urethra. They have two different. Well, women have the urethra. I'm aware of that. But you, you understand. There's one. Yeah. There's yeah. kind of one yeah. common opening. Yeah. So I guess after that it branches into. That's right. Separate so holes. That's, in. that's eight. Yeah, so, so yeah. See there. Give you yourself got a bell. Look at that's why I wanted you to do it. So you get your yes. stupid bell. Jesus. Yes. I got one shot. 
Sean, um, mark it down, baby. See, mark, I was counting mark it one. I was counting ears as two because one on each side. Me too. Yes. I, I used one on each side. Did we but not? nose was counting as one because it goes into one. Oh, order. no, it should be two. It should be two. Yeah, well, I said nine Take originally. Take his bell away. I said nine originally. Yeah, yeah you, you did. did. Yeah, you, you were did. right. You were nine. So okay. two ears, you can keep it. two nostrils, what one two? mouth, mm-hmm. uh, an- uh, anus, yep. and a urethra, mm-hmm. and, the and a vagina. Mm-hmm. And it's still eight. So we must have counted it right the first time. One, two, three, four. But, but the non, I can't, I can't the nostril as one because it goes. Well, I call well, that. I that would be seven. I count, I count the urethral opening and the vaginal opening as, as one. one. Yeah. Right, but yeah. I'm saying it's two because okay, it yeah. really is two different holes. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, okay. Can I play? Can I play off of that oh, question for eyes, a second? And then yeah. the eyes. It makes yeah. ten. Yeah. Okay. Can I? There you go. Uh, uh, that's it's a ten with an asterisk. Uh, well, be, be, <laughs> no, I agree. It is yeah. because the eyes have eye, eye eye sockets have eyes in them. Something that you've never clarified. I mean, if you here. want to talk about other holes, there's ostia in the sinuses and all that oh, stuff. Oh yeah, no, you no, know, there's yeah. you know there are yeah. lots of other yeah. holes. There's two eustachian tubes in the back of your throat. Yeah, yeah. but that's internal. Yeah, well, okay. you got to go through the mouth to get to it. Yeah, or go through the nose. Well, there's still to holes. It. Yeah. Oh, my God, we'd be here all day if we talked about inside holes. Yes. <laughs> That's true. Yep. I got a wine there's delivery the, There's the sphincter of Odie. Okay, how about a quick clarification? As far as women squirting, is it out of the vagina or is it out of the urethra? Okay, so. Um, That's one of your favorite topics. It is one of my never, favorite topics. And but it's, it's never been clarified. The, the white milky fluid comes from the skein's glands, right. which are around the labia and sort of um, in, in that, you know, region uh, under the, you know, uh, under the hood sort of. And then the, uh, the, the clear hypotonic fluid comes from the urethra because that comes from the bladder. Mm. So it comes, um, you know, female ejaculation comes from the skein's glands and po- and coital incontinence comes from the bladder and urethra. So I wanted Tony to get some more information because that's you know, yes. the whole vagina information. Yeah, yeah, no, Tony, we'll give you all kinds of information. Okay, so he asked about how many holes. So we, we count 10 plus minus yeah, a bunch of other stuff. But the ones that you normally would have intercourse with yeah. would be the mouth, Mostly. vagina, yeah. and and rectum. Although I've never done that yes. myself. I'm not. I always, whenever I had a new girlfriend, I'd always reassure them, <laughs> and I never had one go. Well, goddammit! Uh, well, that's we, a deal breaker. Yeah, that's a deal breaker. <laughs> See, I've got such a joke about that, but I'm not going to do it. I'm actually yeah, I'm ratcheting you, it back. You've done your quota. I'm, I'm ratcheting it back right yes. now. But. Um, but there are other places that you can, you know, achieve pleasure as well. And, uh, you know, she's got two hands, two feet. <laughs> um, you know, a boob job is also always, you know, kind of a fun thing. Mm-hmm. If she's able to do that, some women can, some can't. So, you know, there's all kinds of stuff, Tony. Just, you know, enjoy yourself. Have fun. Go easy. And, uh, you know, if you're uncomfortable doing something, talk about it. And, uh, you know, you may become comfortable with it later or you may not. It may just not be your cup of tea. I tell people learn to ride motorcycles, go comfortable plus 10%. There you go. Yeah, comfortable plus 10%. And then you'll, you'll make a little bit of progress <laughs> yeah. every time. Every time. Yep, very good. All right. Anything else, Dr. Scott? That'll wrap it up. Appreciated Tony calling in with that. Amen. And uh, uh, it's an excellent question. You know, not everybody knows every damn thing. All right. Uh, Okay. Well, let's get out of here then. Uh, Thanks always go to Dr. Scott. Thanks, Tacey. 
Thanks, uh, Stacy DeLoach. And uh, thanks to everyone who's made this show happen over the years. And uh, listen to our SiriusXM show on the Faction Talk channel, SiriusXM channel 103, Saturdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern, on demand, and other times at Jim McClure's pleasure. I swear I think Jim's paying us under the table or something because we still don't, we don't have a contract. We haven't had a contract since October. Many thanks to our listeners whose voicemail and topic ideas make this job very easy. Go to our website at drsteve.com for schedules, podcasts, and other crap. Until next time, check your stupid nuts for lumps. Quit smoking, get off your asses, get some exercise. We'll see you in one week for the next edition of Weird Medicine. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks, guys. Bye.